Good morning, Lighthouse. Today, we're going to part number two of the story of Cain and Abel. Now, earlier this month, we presented an overview of the story of Cain and Abel. That's from Genesis chapter four. The easiest book in the Bible to find. It says in verse one that Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bore his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and unto his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now thou art cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Here in the beginning we find two blood brothers who literally represent mankind itself. Abel was accepted of the Lord and Cain was not. Before we get into why it was that way, I want us to notice some other interesting things revealed in this text. In verse number one, Adam knew his wife, meaning, of course, they had sex, as was God's plan for husbands and wives. It's not sinful, it's not wrong, it's for husbands and wives. When the baby was born, Eve said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Now, the word that she used was not a generic term, as is often stated in Scripture. She's, what she said, in reality, was, I have born a male child. And that has led many to believe that she had already born perhaps several girls, and that now this was her firstborn son. Now, I cannot prove that that is the case, but it would explain other questions like, where Cain got his wife, especially given what we see in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 20, where it says that Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Everybody alive in those days was from Eve. 
There's a lot of information given us about Cain and Abel in this fourth chapter of Genesis, including, as we saw a couple of weeks ago, in the first part of this. For example, both of them were equally aware of the divine presence of Almighty God. As well as both of these men were taught about sin and redemption. Both of these men brought an offering that reflected what was inside them. Based on what we know, Abel spent about 40 centuries, about 4,000 years in a place that Jesus called paradise. And then was taken to heaven itself after Jesus shed his blood for our sins. Also based on what we know, unless something happened later that God did not include in his word to tell us about, Cain has been in hell for the better part of 6,000 years with nothing to look forward to but more of the same and even getting worse after that. What is hell like? Here's what we know. This is from Luke chapter 16, verse 22. It says, And it came to pass that the beggar died. His name was Lazarus, by the way. And was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. That's what Jews called the place that Jesus referred to as paradise when he was dying on the cross. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham... Have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. How could anything possibly be worse than going to hell? What sane thinking individual wouldn't do anything they could to avoid such a fate as going to hell? But hell is real. It's like heaven is real. The only thing that I can think of that's worse than being in hell is being there knowing that hell was never intended for you and that like Cain, you are there because of your own choice. There are millions in hell today and millions more are headed there as we speak. Back in Genesis chapter 3, we know that God told Eve about the seed of a woman that would bruise Satan's head and that in doing so, Satan would bruise his heel. This first family knew about their Redeemer that was coming someday. They had the Lord literally present with them every day, look him in the face. Ask all the questions. Wouldn't you love to do that? Then read your Bible. It equates to the same thing. But this family knew. They knew about their Redeemer. They knew He was coming to do for them what they could not do for themselves. They knew God's promise. And they were capable of faith in that promise. You see, folks, both Cain and Abel were sinners just like you and me. We weren't really different from these two men. Both Cain and Abel became sinners the same way as you and me as well. 
Romans 5.12 tells us how that works. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. Who was that? That was Adam. And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You became a sinner because of the sin nature that you inherited from Adam, just like his first two sons. You didn't wake up one morning and say, you know, I think I'm going to be a sinner now. You were sinning against the Lord when you marked on the wall with your crayons and then lied to your mom about who did it. Starts pretty early, doesn't it? Because of one man, you became a sinner. And likewise, because of one man, you can be saved from the penalty of your sin. Romans 5 and verse 19 says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. How many? 1 John 2 and verse 2 says, And he is the propitiation, the complete payment for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Of all those millions of people that are in hell today and the others that are headed that way, every one of them is there by their own choice. See, how could that be possible? It is possible. It's possible that someone here is headed there by their own choice. I hope if you are, you'll realize it and fix the problem because you can. You know, Abel is in heaven because he is righteous. Did you know that? Adam made him a sinner. So when is it that he became righteous? When did that happen? Well, we don't know exactly when, but we do know how. Hebrews 11.4 tells us some things about Abel. It says, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Unlike what some may have you to believe, Abel was not saved by his blood sacrifice. Abel was saved by God's grace through faith, the same as me and the same as every one of you who are saved. Ephesians 2 and 9 is a universal truth. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works. Not of sacrifices. Not of anything you can do, because it's not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. Abel could tell you about the day that he was saved. I could certainly tell you about mine. And if you're saved, you could tell me about yours. 47 years ago next month, I placed my trust in Jesus to save me from my sins. Which he did on the spot. When I placed my trust in him, the Bible says that he became my sin offering. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1. We're going to read quite a few of these verses. It says, For the law, and of course Cain and Abel were before the law, but sin was still sin. 
It says, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers there too perfect. For then they would not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats or sheep or any other critter can take away sin. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Who's this talking about now? Do you know? Talking about Jesus when he came into the world. Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sins, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. He talked about that in the garden. He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will, O God. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldst not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. By the which will, that's talking about by God's will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. One offering lasts forever. No more sacrifices year by year. Abel did not offer that more excellent sacrifice in order to become righteous. Abel offered that more excellent sacrifice because he was righteous. There's something about that that we all need to understand. I wish the world could understand this. Christians do not do good works and they don't serve the Lord in order to be saved. They don't get baptized in order to be saved. They don't do anything that they do in order to get saved. They do what they do because they are saved. It's in us to do what we do. The Lord put it there when he gave us his perfect righteousness. You could become righteous just like Abel. I think most of you already have. But if you haven't, you can become righteous just like Abel. Most people think being righteous is about how you live. Being righteous is not about how you live. You live because of what you are. You're either righteous or you're unrighteous. In Romans 3 and verse 10 it says, It is written, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 it says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Nobody who's unrighteous is going to heaven. Nobody. 
And no one is righteous unless God gives that to you because you can't become righteous based on what you do. No one is righteous and unless you are, you're not going to heaven. That paints a pretty bleak picture, a hopeless picture for sinners like us. But what if God was willing to let somebody else pay your debt? What if he was willing to let someone who had perfect righteousness hand that to you in exchange for your unrighteousness? That would be something, would it not? Well, I've got good news for you. Jesus is that someone else. Amen. God did not want Cain to go to hell. Even after he murdered his own brother. Now Cain was the first one to commit that sin, but he wasn't the last. God told Cain that his offering for sin was right there, readily available, even at the door, he said. God has told us that our sin offering is the door. Look what it says in John chapter 10, verse number 7. Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. This is a story of great joy and a story of tragic sadness. God doesn't tell us if Cain got saved later. He could have. All he had to do was follow the instruction he was given by the Lord himself to put his trust in that Redeemer that was someday going to come. That one who would bruise Satan's head. They knew who he was. They talked to him face to face. They were aware of his presence. There's not a single person in hell today, not Cain, not Judas. There's not a single person in hell today except those that are there by their own choice. What more could God do than to take on the body of a man, come to this world, die in your place, and rise from the dead to prove it, to prove who he was? What more could God do than to draw you to himself. Why do you think you're here today? It's not an accident. And to explain it to you, and to show you, to tell you from his word how much he loves you, and how willing he is that you escape the torment of hell for all eternity, because it's real. Why don't you let us show you how it works? God will give you his own perfect righteousness. That's a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't do anything to get it. You can't even do anything to keep it. It's permanent. It lasts forever. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them 
that are sanctified, that are set apart to God by their faith in Jesus. It'll keep you out of hell. And it's the only thing that will. I don't really have anything better to preach to you than how to stay out of hell. Jesus said that he wants to give you life and life that's forever and life that's more abundant so that you have life more abundantly. He said, I'm the door. If any enter by me, he'll go in and out and he'll find pasture. You can be a fat, happy sheep. That's what you can be because of Jesus. Some of you are halfway there. Us. <laughs> I'm amazed at how little of a priority people tend to place on what Jesus did for us. The most incredibly valuable thing that's ever been spoken of or existed in this universe is available to all. And people, by and large, act like it's no big deal. Even we who, who own that, life everlasting, we just act like it's just not that big a deal sometimes. It's a big deal. It's the biggest of all big deals. And it's yours if you'll be willing. Amen. I, I admit, you don't automatically know what to do or know how it works. We know that. That's why the Lord established this church and sent us here to preach the good news. That's what this Amen. is all about. It's for you. And I've said everything I know how to say. We'll let the Jesus do the rest in your heart. He's here. He's never missed a service yet. He'd never even been late. How many of you were late this morning? Blamed it on a wreck. Well, I love you. And so does the Lord. But Amen. I'm glad he wasn't late. Amen. He was there on that Thursday night 47 years ago next month. And he wasn't late. He was there for me. And he's worthy that I be here for him. It's the same with you. Let's stand together.